The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got to look to the draft. We've got to look to developing the guys that are currently here and obviously retain as many of these guys as we can. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up podcast from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. J.P. Shadrick with John Osher and the man of the hour, NFL Network Analyst Bucky Brooks joining us here on Radio Row. A popular guy. You walk in the door and it's like people come to see you. They are yeah. coming to shake your hand. They want to be around yeah. Bucky. This is your event. Yeah, some, some, some would call me the king of the combine. <laughs> King of the Combine, come and meet everybody and do all this. I'm a little disappointed, though, that we couldn't pull off, like, the podcast on location somewhere. Like, there are a few different steakhouses around town that I feel like we probably could have worked it out. I think next year that should be in the ask. Well, we got to call your agent for that, I think. No, 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 no. But I think that Sounds like the, the King of the Combine should sit there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You got some I sources. <laughs> I think we should do that on location at one of the little spots here. Like, there's St. Elmo's, there's Harry and Izzy's. There's a little spot we could carve out in the corner with, like, some shrimp cocktail and have a few little stories and talk about Well, I mean, the, there's it's a subway the, around the corner. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. It's only the second day, so we could we got some time. Yes. Yeah. We'll do another one. How are we doing? Great, man. Great to be here. Great to see you. Uh, yes. Here we are. It's been a few weeks, and, you know, it's it's combine time. Uh, Super Bowl was over just a couple weeks ago, so folks who've covered all this stuff, it's like this thing never really ends. So no. it's the off season. It's the machine. Never stops. No, that's exactly what the, the NFL wanted. They wanted to make football relevant 12 months out the year. You've been able to do that. You go from the Super Bowl in the middle of February to now you got the combine, which moves into March. you got free agency free agent frenzy that happens after that, the draft. And before you know it, you know what time it is, JP, is minicamp time. And then once you go to minicamp, it's training camp, and then we're off. And you John, know how much I love John OTA. loves the off-season so program. It, That's his favorite. Uh, but, <laughs> Bucky, you're the king of the combine. Yes. Uh, which I think might be the most overrated event on the NFL calendar, except for doing things like this. <laughs> but, honestly, how how much does this really affect a guy's draft stock, Buck? And, it, and it, as king of the combine, I know what you have to say, but give me something here. I'm going to give you something. I'm going right. to give you something. Like, the, the things that really matter about the combine, uh, the medical evaluation. Number one, 1A and 1B. That's, that's, that's the number one thing. The second most important part of it is the interview sessions because mm-hmm. the first time that the coaches and the scouts and the executives have an opportunity to sit down and talk to the prospects, even if it's for only 15 minutes, it's your first introduction to who this player is. And so you can kind of put a face with the name and begin to figure out if they appear to fit with what you want And my to do. guess is, Bucky, that even if the GMs say there's only so much you can get from 15 minutes, that's a big 15 because they carry it with them, right? Yeah, it's a big 15 because depending upon the prospect, if he comes in he doesn't have anything in the background that's egregious, any legal issues, it's 15 minutes to really kind of talk about ball. Uh, a lot of times when you walk into those rooms, they may have some film already queued up. Mm-hmm. You walk through some film, you go through that, you kind of begin to assess where a prospect's football acumen is and what they know, what they don't know, can they walk you through the process and those things. And then the final part of it is maybe the least important part, which is the workout. Uh, and the reason why I say it's the least important part is because Trent Baalke won't like this, but I'll say this. I'm going to give you a little secret sauce. Mm. No matter what you do at the combine, scouts have to take the best measurement 
time jump from wherever it is. Right. So if you work out here, the combine, let's just say J.P. Shadrick ran 4.55 here it's in not, Indy. That's not good for me. Let's say it. It's not we, good for me. If, if, if we take him I know to I can his, do better than that. his pro day and he runs 4.45, four, that's more like J.P. The 4.45 four, will go down on his card. And so a lot of this is to see if you'll compete, see if you can deal with some of the adversity that was kind of manipulated, manufactured, where, hey, they have you up all night, have you up, get like – Get up early, can you respond, and are you willing to endure all this other stuff to do it? And then they know that no matter what, they're going to take the best time. Mm-hmm. And so it's just an opportunity to see who wants to compete, who doesn't want to compete. But really, it's about the medical and it's about the interviews. I heard this a long time ago and, and kind of stuck with me. A prospect can hurt themselves more here than, than they can help themselves. Bad uh, interviews. Yeah, yeah, the interview and the medical, that's the stuff that hurts you. The performance on the field. It right. doesn't necessarily impact it. Because like the tape doesn't lie, right? The no, tape, you've had so much tape. You played three years. Guess what? Yeah, it's, it's all about the tape. The only thing that you're trying to see is, are, are things, do things match up. You see someone who runs really fast. Like, so I told you about running 4 five, 5 here, JP. But mm. when I look at the tape, you play super fast. You play like a 4-4 four, four guy. Mm. Well, now I just got to figure out, did my eyes trick me on tape or did he just have a bad day when it came to working out? Um, but it shouldn't really impact your draft status. Unless something comes up when it comes to the medical or the interview process that you're worried about. But yet, next week we'll see Bucky Brooks's risers and fallers from the combine. Oh, yes. Well, risers and fallers. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, we just got to get the public what they want. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of what uh, the soap opera of the draft process is. It's storylines, it's headlines, it's uh, kind of manufacturing some of these things. But in reality, if you ask uh, Balky and some of the guys on the other side, they'll tell you that the draft board doesn't move like that. There's not a lot of fluctuation uh, based on performances in the spring. Everything should be done primarily off the tape work. Bucky, what are uh, Trent Balky wouldn't answer this on the podium today, so we'll ask the, the draft guru here. What what are some of the strongest position groups at this combine and mm. in this draft class coming up? Cornerback uh, is really strong. I think there are a lot of good cornerbacks. Well, one, let me say overall about the class. Mm-hmm. It is not one that may be loaded with blue-chip players, meaning the first round in terms of true first-round grades. Yeah. Like outside, might, lockdown guy. It might, it, might be, it might be light in terms of normally, general managers to tell you, in most drafts, 18 to 24 guys grade out as consensus first-round picks. This year I'll say maybe it's about 15, 16. But what you have are a lot of guys that are second- and third-round players. And so if you have a bunch of picks and on, on day two, you can come up if you know exactly what you're looking for and you target some of those areas. Cornerback is a class where a lot of guys that can play, a lot of guys that may not be like those high-end players. I don't know if there's a sauce gardener in the class, but there are a lot of really good players that maybe they can be solid starters right out the gate. Wide receiver doesn't have marquee names, but they're solid players that are second and third round players. The quarterback class is one that we're still kind of working through because they're good players, but they may not be necessarily a franchise-caliber guy that pops right away. So there's not a guy that we'll say like Trevor Lawrence was viewed or even like Joe Burrow. But they're good players in the right system. They can play at a high level. And so you just kind of have to dig through. I think pass rusher has some intriguing names, some guys that can get it done. But, again, the class lacks high-end blue-chip players, but a bunch of really solid players that can play. So when you're, uh, if you're 24, which the Jaguars are, uh, 
I still believe, and maybe it's based on conversations with you on Huddle Up, Bucky. I, I, I would be surprised if it, if a corner isn't the pick there. I know they're not going to say that. They're not going to target that. But it, it, it sort of feels like there's going to be corners available there picking 24. And historically, that's a spot where you can get a guy who can play, contribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a spot that can impact as a rookie, maybe a little more than some other spots. Uh, I know, to me cornerback seems like the sweet pot the sweet spot at 24 well i think too you have uh two things that come to come together uh where the draft is weighted cornerbacks in that round so we talked about maybe 15 to 18 first round talents so then that means anywhere from 18 to 54 to 70 are kind of like your second round guys well the cornerback class is going to be deep right in there the big thing will be after the regular season what were the meetings like with Doug and the coaches in terms of stylistically how do we want the defense to evolve? Because that will change what you're looking for at the cornerback position. If you want to be a team that plays a bunch of bump and run, uh, man-to-man, stuff like that, well, then there's a handful of guys that fit that. If you want to be a team that plays more like we played at the end of the season where it was a little more zone, some man, were the guys that fit that. Uh, determining the style of play will be big because now you have to get the players that fit how you want to play at quarterback. Well, then if it goes as deep as you're talking about, maybe you don't have to worry about corner at that spot. You can get that guy in the second round, and maybe you're looking for something else at 24. So. Yeah, so, so it would be interesting because, like, the natural thing is what happens to Juwan Taylor? Like, does he come back? If he doesn't come back, where do you feel that position? Do you feel good about Walker Little? Can you slide him in there? Mm-hmm. Or is there something else? Uh, I think and a swing tackle worth late first round, right. a lot of people would say it would be. Yeah, and, and, right. and then is there a guy that fits, that has a grade that's worthy of being taken there? Right. You know, like that That are always, can you match up with the grade of the player with where you're picking, and, and is it a huge variance or whatever? Tight end would be a position that I will also look for, not only because of Evan Ingram. I would fully expect Evan Ingram to be back, but the one thing that – uh, the evolution of the offense, maybe more two and three tight end sets. Mm-hmm. Two tight end sets in particular because you can dictate the terms a little bit. Maybe you can go two tight ends and move Evan Ingram around. Maybe you want two pass catchers. If you go back and look at how Philadelphia played with Doug, it was Zach Ertz, Goddard. You know, you had you had both of those guys kind of being available so you can do some different things and create mismatches and those things that we've seen. Well, plus nothing's tougher to defend oh, gosh. than a balanced two tight end scheme. Nothing. Awful. Nothing. I mean, like, that's so that's the thing. And so will there be a tight end? And there are some intriguing tight end mm-hmm. names that would fit in the first round. Darnell Washington from Georgia, the big massive hybrid offensive tackle that plays tight end for Georgia. Number zero. Number zero. Yep. Dalton Kincaid from right. Utah, another playmaking tight end that is more like Evan Ingram than a true tight end. But there's some intriguing names and there are a bunch of possibilities. And we'll always say this around draft time, you can't go wrong taking the best available player. But in this draft, yes, you have to take the best player and hope that he fits in position of need. Bucky's changed my mind. I, I've been saying corner first round all yeah. along. He, he's talked me down off that. Now tight I'm end. tight end first round cornerback second round that's and jp evidently because he can run four five i'm going him third round. yeah four five five i better stretch my left hamstring out a little <laughs> more the 2023 season is on the horizon and you won't want to miss it so lock in your seat to the bank this fall place your deposit at jaguars.com slash tickets seat selections coming soon and the perfect spots waiting for you don't watch the jags become kings of the jungle from your couch 
Join the AFC South Division Champion Jaguars now. I just had to let everybody know again. We're around all these other teams. AFC South. AFC South Division Champion. Colts are over here. Titans are behind us. Did we get a banner for that? Is there a banner? You put a banner up in the There'll be a flag, I think. There'll be a flag in the There's corner. Yeah, 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 they get flags. Everybody gets a prize. Back in a moment. <laughs> Trent Balky, Doug Peterson speaking with the media today. A recap after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up podcast from the Indiana Convention Center in downtown Indianapolis. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, Bucky Brooks, the Huddle Up podcast from the NFL Scouting Combine, where on Tuesday, Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson spoke with the media and a lot of conversations about the moving of money in the last week or so, and uh, there could be more ahead, but um, some, some big contracts were stretched out. Some signing bonus uh, converted into signing bonus. A lot of that stuff, John. Yeah, and I think a lot of this, it's been big news this offseason for Jaguars media and Jaguars observers. But to me, the thing that they did that was sort of noteworthy was giving the contract or signing Roy Robertson-Harris to the extension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big. Everything else was very standard. Uh, We need to move some money so that we can keep our guys and it was very standard stuff for teams that are good. This team hasn't been good for a while, so you haven't wanted to keep your guys. Um, I think in three years, if they were to be making moves like this, I think most Jaguars fans, I think these would be briefs in the mm-hmm. old uh, newspaper vernacular. It's big news now because they're doing it. They're clearing cap space. It's one reason we talk so much about them being jammed up against the salary cap all of season. Well, they were. Except that Trent Baalke knew that there was air in a lot of these contracts that you could push forward, which they've done. So I think the Roy Robertson-Harris was very interesting to me because he was more unknown on Mm -hmm. whether or not he would be back. Uh, The fact that they went to him and signed that extension means they believe that he's a core guy going forward on the defense. That I guess that teaches us something about how they feel about Roy Robertson-Harris. The other ones uh, seem like more bookkeeping to me. Uh, and not surprising, and now they have room to do some things in free agency, meaning re-signing their own guys, Bucky. Yeah, I mean, you know, Roy Robinson-Harris, I think, was big because he came on down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you felt his impact in the postseason. Yeah, I don't know in midseason if this yeah. move would have been made. Yeah, you, you felt him come on down the stretch. Uh, as they got better, he became a more impactful player at the line of scrimmage, which is great. Uh, you can't have enough dominant or disruptive players at defensive tackle, so that was huge. Uh, in terms of the procedural moves, you're right. Moving money around, playing the shell game, mm-hmm. signing bonuses, converting that stuff out. So you have plenty of this cash. This team hasn't to done sign. that in a long time. No, yeah. So I mean, it's you, unusual. Yeah, but you haven't had players that you necessarily wanted to resign because you hadn't had a lot of success. When you have success, you feel good about the nucleus. You want to keep that core together and build upon it. And so as we look at this team, uh, this team certainly the the arrows pointed in the right direction. But now you got to find a way to get it to the next. Do you think, um, from what Trent said on the air today uh, with us and from what they've said all along, um, I, I don't think they'll be incredible. I mean, absolutely quiet in other teams' free agency, if you follow me, sign other guys. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be loud. You're not going to do very much of it. Um, can they do what they need to do defensively, particularly defensively, but can they add what they need to add personnel-wise just through the draft? Or do they have to go get a piece or two in in, in a veteran free agency from outside the team? Uh, they have to go get some pieces. I still think there's some pieces that need to be uh, added to the mix. As much as I would love to think that we can have all these young guys that will pop and they'll make immediate contributions, you still going to need some veteran experience. 
the key will be, can you wait for that first wave of free agency to happen? See some of the salary cap casualties mm-hmm. that happen. Pick up guys. That's where good on, teams do it. Yeah. yeah. Pick up guys on team-friendly deals uh, and see if you can add to it. Because you still need to add to the secondary. You don't want all those guys to be young. And positions of need, you want to double up. Meaning maybe throw a free agent and a draft pick at it and see which one of those guys can, can solve the issue. Let me ask you your thought on this because I, you know, I, uh, JP's tired of reading me say it. I think the key to this defense next year isn't so much what they gain. Uh, but how that drafted core three, I call them, Muma, Lloyd, and Walker develop, if they become what they were drafted to be, then I think a lot of the defensive issues take care of themselves. Yeah, that does that does happen. They will take care of themselves. If you can get the young guys to play and play at a high level, they'll do it. So you need those guys to play. You need Trayvon Walker to play like a first-round pick. You need Devin Lloyd to play like a first-round pick in year two. And if you're and a draft and develop team, that's what you have to have. Yeah, you have to have it. And so, like, it's not only on the players, it's on the coaches to figure out, now that we have 17, 18, 19 games of tape on these guys, what can we do to put them in the best position to succeed? That's Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier. It's the Huddle Up podcast from Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. We're just a, a few weeks away. Well, two weeks away from the start of the league year, of course. And uh, then a few weeks after that, it's the offseason program. It's here. Yeah, and it's, it's Doug so Peterson's talking yeah, about that schedule fantastic. coming up. He's let's, scheduling let's the offseason already. They're, they're worried about interviewing prospects here, and then he's got to juggle all that coming up, and, and here we go. You know, It'll be a good OTA practice. I can't, can't I, you know what? I can't wait. I can't wait for the OTAs. Like, Hopefully we'll have an opportunity to kind of cast our eyes on them. I know John will be there with his notepad tracking Completions, yeah, that's what he does. And incompletions, and who's in, what's in the rotation, all that other stuff. I, I can't wait for because you know, you know how important. Remember last year's veteran minicamp? How? Oh, that's right, didn't have it. (laughs) 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 But the reason they didn't have it because it was a reward for the attendance. I agree of the off-season program. I mean, you got to give them a little, a little. Remember minicamp gate last year with the fans? Oh, they were going nuts. A little treat. What's that, Doug Peterson idiot doing? Yeah, I think it worked out okay. He he did okay. They had their legs in December, that's for sure. Yes, they did. They certainly did. Uh, What's your schedule the rest of the week, Bucky? Uh, You know, got a little uh, little combine event stuff. So we got a a thing that I'm working on called Combine Today, a little preview before every day's of a workout. So I got a little hour of TV time to kind of work that out and talk about who we're going to see, who's who, and what's what. Is I that from the field, or is that in the set over here? Like, where is that? Oh, that'll be off in the set. No, we won't be on. No, no field time for me. Okay. So I won't be in your way when you run your 40. I will not be yeah. in the way. I won't be anywhere near there. You should be able to do the run, Rich, run thing. No, I'm good. We need to sign you up for that. Like, I'm out. Come on. I'm busy. Come on. I got stuff What's going the on. next big uh, <laughs> written thing for you with the draft? I know you do your uh, – is it the mock? Is yeah, it a post-combine mock where guys without, rise and fall? I guess, I guess we did a mock draft that hit the day. Like, which is kind of crazy that you would do a mock draft right before the combine. It'd probably be better after the combine. But, hey, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So we had, like, a little mock that we did today. And then uh, we will have – You'll do your top five – Top fives. Each position. I'll, I'll update the top fives because, you know, the combine will force some – I know it. Some movement and some action based on, like, seeing some guys run around and do their stuff or whatever. Um, Should we go through Bucky's mock draft right here? Well, I mean, I think we probably can just get to the Jaguars. Probably, okay, right? fine. That's like, right. You've got Jalen Carter going number one overall, by the way. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about Big, that as strong, a family guy? 
Right. Big, big dude. Strong that, player. That would be back-to-back Georgia guys at the top of the board. Pretty defensive, good. Defensive guys. Yes, and yeah. they're all very good. Uh, let's see. Jaguars at 24th. You've got Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Ah, see? I, I even huh. gave, I gave yeah. you a glimpse of that when I talked about yeah. tight end there. Like, I gave him a different one because I gave Dalton Kincaid a pass catcher from Utah. That would be back-to-back years dealing with a Ute. That's right. That's right. The two and, Utes. And that makes a lot of sense, as we talked about during the season. What's a U? U. Once a U, it's always a U, I say. And that would make sense. I, I like the tight end first round uh, corner. Because this is round. this is your thing, because you're all offense. You care less about defense. You just want to throw and chuck it. No, you, you got to score much faster. So, like now, so now we want to make sure that we can, we can put everything around Trevor Lawrence and allow him to go to the next level. If we talk about the AFC and having to deal with the quarterbacks, you're talking about Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Yeah. Well, the only way to help Trevor get into that conversation, you got to put more around him, and he has to make a major jump. And so another weapon, Dalton Kincaid, to go with maybe Calvin Ridley. Yeah, we're cooking with gas. Mm. Okay, Let final question up. for me then. Final question for the scout. Yeah. I am an, I am an offense first guy, but to win in the playoffs, you got to close the door. Uh, pass rush. How do they get better pass rush this offseason? Because there were moments last year, but consistency – I think everybody would agree they need more consistency at big moments. Uh, from what we're talking about, it, it's not going to happen in the draft, but maybe it does. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a tough one because a couple of things. So you have to then determine are you going to be a rush team or a coverage team? Okay. Are you going to put your resources in the back end? And then that way you can commit more guys to the pass rush because you feel better about what you have in the back end in terms of being able to hold up? Or are you going to be great with your front four and then – Try and protect the guys in coverage. That is the million-dollar question. So a lot of that will be in the offseason, seeing what Trayvon Walker does, also understanding where we are with Josh Allen. How does Josh Allen look? What does he do? And you think What's maybe uh, more of that can be gotten out of Devin Lloyd? Too. Yeah, Devin you Lloyd has to before. be like so being able to look at mm-hmm. what we have and kind of build upon that. But, yes, the million-dollar question defensively, are we a rush team or are we a coverage team? Because that will then dictate – where you commit your resources, right. and also how Mike Caldwell calls the game. All That's right. all I got. There you go. I mean, the man's busy. He's king of the combine. Let him go. King of the combine. Uh, I know our guy PK is going to listen, so I'm, I'm going to put this on. we got to have signage. Like the next time we come and do a thing on the combine, like we gotta have, Bucky, we got to have signage. Bucky, it's an audio podcast. Yeah, but we have to have signage just in case. It just I'm looking around at all the other teams and like, we're, if it's we're going to be pod, great, it's audio. if we're going to be great, if we're going to be great, we have to have signage. You know what? All these other teams didn't win the AFC South. That's right. You're talking to the champs. <laughs> the champs the are here. The champs are here. We want to be great. We want to be great. You've got to have some signage. Something behind there. How are you guys going to take selfies and Instagrams and snaps and all that and you don't have anything signifying it? Like, now you have to go somewhere and manufacture the background. We leave that to Gabby. She handles all that for us. That's you what know. she does. Come on. That's what she does. Bucky, thanks for the time. Hey, man, thanks, guys. Carving it out of your, you know, shrimp cocktail schedule. Yeah, hey, next time, too. So signage and on location, we can do two pods. We can do one here with signage. The other one we can do on location from a, de- a destination. You know, I like restaurants. I'll, I'll I heard. Yeah, I'll I'm aware. I'll oh, so he's an idea guy. I am. <laughs> I'm an idea guy. Come on. Like, that's what we want. Creative. That's Bucky Brooks. I'm J.P. Shadrick. That's John Osier. Thanks to our entire crew, Brent Reber, Gabrielle Dalton, uh, Trent Padilla, Joe Fortunato back in uh, the studio. Thank you for listening to the Huddle Up Podcast.